Oh. <laughs> and a father of boys as well. Two boys and two girls. Pigeon pair. So I mean, you you hmm? you got the message of that song. You can it's you can just, feel that song. Yes, can you can. You? I can. Yes, two boys and two girls. Andrew is the eldest boy. Jennifer's the eldest girl. And then there's uh, David and Katie. Did they all follow you into showbiz? Well, Jennifer's here at the Beam, you know, in the publicity department. God bless her. Yes, indeed, she does very well, you know. Mm. Oh, Jennifer. David's an actor. No, Andrew's an actor, rather. Plays non-speaking parts. Ah. Husbands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's struck home here and there. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's, uh, he's a good actor. He just finished in uh, The Invisible Man. In uh, Stratford East, did very well. Katie's an actress. She's at the Bristol Vic, old, old Vic, Bristol Old Vic School. Did you encourage him to go in? Well, not really, because, you know, having been in the business yourself, you wonder what's going to happen to yeah, them. And it, they've only seen the end product of years of work. So you wonder, uh, you Is know. Is that where you are, there? You're the end product of years of work. I'm the end product of years of End product of hanging about. <laughs> fix of comedy chat and recently heavy breathing um i must explain because a regular listener who shall remain nameless mr x i shall call him he contacted me to say that occasionally on recent shows he could hear me breathing <laughs> like some dirty old man um which is never nice but yeah i actually listened back to the last couple of episodes and there are occasions when you can hear me breathing, which um, I apologise, but I had a mild respiratory episode, which thankfully has passed now. So I uh, I apologise if, if Liz has picked up on that. Um, and I promise from now on not to breathe, um, or at least not, not breathe any more than is uh, strictly necessary in order to stay alive, because this podcast would be next to useless with a, with a dead host. Um, apologise, you had to hear some of that, Katie. <laughs> um, That's fine. Uh, so the, the the lady you can hear laughing there is my guest, my very special guest today. And recently we heard the, the wonderful news that one of the famously lost episodes of Hancock's Half Hour featuring Harry Seacombe has come to light. And I am thrilled to be joined by, by Harry's daughter, Katie. Um, Hello. I, I, may I just first apologise for the sounds of heavy breathing from my dogs and... Oh. Chirps from my birds, so I'm just going to shut the door. Hang on, just <laughs> it's all madness here. There we go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. We have had dogs on the show before, <laughs> um, and a cat. Uh, well, oh, good. So I'm in good company. Mike Mike Haskins, a regular guest. He his his dog Huxley has been on. Jonathan Coe, the novelist, he was on, and his cat Archie, I think his name is, he was on. Stick. Yeah. But you've oh, got a, like a men menagerie yeah. there, have you? I have got a bit of a menagerie, yes. Ah, yes, I have good. dogs, cats and parrots. Yes, it's mad. But Brilliant. there you go. Well, th you very kindly accepted my invitation to, to come on the show and talk it about is. your dad. And um, 
And I also thought it would be a good idea, perhaps, maybe not, I don't know how you feel, but for us to, to discuss um, what I consider to be one of Harry's um, best showcase performances in a goon yeah. show. Which, which yeah. does it's an, it's an, an episode which doesn't really get talked about very much. Mm. But we'll come back to that. We'll come to that mm. later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, Katie, um, as I say, brilliant to have you on. And you are an actress. I am. I am. Yes, I'm currently in Guys and Dolls at the British Theatre. There's a plug. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and it's funny you should mention it because... Um, it's full of very young people, the show. I mean, I'm 55 now, so everybody's younger than me, it feels like. Um, and one of our, uh, it's an immersive show. And one of our hosts, they're all in sort of their late 20s to early 30s. Um, her dad's a Goon Show fan. And we have lots of chats about the Goon Show when we're sort of waiting to go on. So the legacy continues. Thank thank goodness for that. Lovely. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. You trained at the Bristol Old Vic, didn't you? I did. I did. Yes. I had what's called a classical training. Mm. Um, and uh, I went to, to university before I went to, to drama school. So I had the full whack. Uh, and I've been doing it for oh, over 30 years now. Lots of musicals. I was in Les Mis and Mamma Mia. And I've also done lots of plays as well. So I've had a nice sort of career that goes from one to the other, which is which is quite refreshing, really. And what about comedy? Do you do much comedy on stage? I'd like to do more. Um, I'm normally a comic character. So in Les Mis, I'm Madame Thenardier, who's probably one of the most fun characters to play, especially in a musical like Les Mis, where everybody pretty much is dead at the end, apart from me. Um, <laughs> so that's that's quite good fun to play. And she's, she's a, a lovable monster, so she's great. Um, and I've worked with um, the wonderful Alan Aitborn. Um, oh, wow. I yeah. did um, Bedroom Fast with him quite a few years ago now up in Scarborough, but he directed it. So that was a great, you know, masterclass in yeah. in how to do good comedy, you know. And uh, and also, you know, he taught me how to make a bed properly because I had to make a bed in the beginning of the scene, um, the first scene of the play. And he was so strict about how I made it, but it, it sort of made me think, well, yeah, comedy is really hard. <laughs> You've got to be really precise and really technical. So, um, yeah, I, I learned a lot working do, do- from him. Do people make beds properly these days? Because um, no, you don't use sheets much. Everything's duvets these days, isn't it? Yes, everything's duvets. And also, this one, obviously, the bedroom fast is set in sort of the late 70s, I think early 80s. Mm. So they would have had hospital corners. But it was... Um, ca- Candlewick bedspreads. Candle, I had a Candlewick bedspread on the bed, you know, <laughs> and they are not fun, I'll tell you that, to lie under. Um, but yes, he, he was great to work with. And um, of course, I had had the maestro really my dad so um when I when I got over my teens and I started actually listening to my father I picked up lots of tips from dad and, and I actually got to work with him as well in Pickwick musical that he did oh I saw that yeah um, well, yeah that must have been amazing it was fabulous because um I had a backseat view of his talent every night um, and the way that he took everything in his stride, really, he was very calm um, about how he performed, even though he he had a lot of energy, he had a lot of manic energy. He was able to switch it on and off, you know, um, and he was very technical. But I think that, that's that's what you have to be if, you, if you're a comic or a comic actor, you have to know what you're doing. 
yeah, technique. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody told me on this show who did, they'd never met your dad, but they'd met somebody who'd worked with your dad, I think on Pickwick. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we're talking many, many years ago. Yeah. And it was possibly like one of the dance. Did they have dancers in Pickwick? They don't, do they? They did, yes. <laughs> oh, they yes, did? They right. Did. Okay. One of the dancers, mm. it was his birthday. And after a performance, he wanted to take the whole cast, everybody out to the to the local pub. Yeah. And he wanted to buy a round of drinks because it was his birthday. Yeah. And Harry was there. And, yeah. And Harry said, oh, look, you know, no, you don't need to do this. You know, no, no, save your money. You know, don't be, don't be daft. Yeah. Really. But this dancer was insistent that he wants to, and it, and it must have cost, oh, God knows how much back then, you know, mm. but it was a significant sum of money. Yeah. And everyone had a, you know, had the drink and, you know, chatted away and a fine time was had by all. Mm. And then Harry had to go. And he and he came up to the, this particular dancer whose birthday it was and he, and he grabbed his hand and he pumped his hand quite violently and said, and clapped him on the shoulder and said, happy birthday, you know, thanks again and all the rest of it. And, he, and off he went. And the dancer, this chap, looked down at his hand and Harry had stuffed, I don't know, 80 quid in his hand. Yeah, that was dad. Yeah. Honestly, don't, that makes me sad. It's, it's wonderful. But yeah, dad was like that. I, I, I didn't know that story. and um, But it was fairly standard with dad. He, he had a thing when he was working at the Palladium. I think he called it Harry's Happies. So on a Saturday night, he would... Um, fill his dressing room full of booze and people could come in and have a drink after the show on a Saturday and yeah. um, dad always believed in you know being accessible to everybody in the cast he led a cast brilliantly he was so kind and generous and um, yeah he, he he really set a good example um, of how to lead a cast with joy you know but also you could come and talk to him if you had a problem or no, he was always very open to, to helping people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this this podcast, we talk about actual Goon Show episodes, but we also talk mm. about anything that's got a Goon connection. So it can be a Peter Sellers film or yeah. a Spike television series or a book. Um, with with or Michael Benteen, you know, we've, yes. we've done episodes on Michael Benteen. Happy Mike, yeah. Um, with 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 Harry, um, we've done you know some episodes about you know specifically about him. We covered Sunstruck a few months ago, for oh example. Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> um, I was a babe in arms on that. Oh, well, I'm going to ask you about that if you can remember yes. anything. But yes. um, but I'll be honest with you and say that you know the majority of sh- episodes of this podcast, just because of the breadth of work, mm. have tended to focus more on Spike and Peter. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and course, yeah. and I've spoken to people who've. Um, I mean, I've spoken to Jane Milligan, for example. Ah, oh, lovely um, Jane. Yes. Yeah, and um, and I've spoken to people that have known um, know a lot about Spike and Peter, and mm. and it's and and it's fair to say, and I don't think anyone would um, beat me with fists for saying this, but both <laughs> men had their issues and yes. could be could be challenging to deal yes. with, yes. and. Yes. The the thing that we find time and time and time again, whenever we talk about the goons, is mm. the, the same sort of phrase or variations of the phrase. Harry was the glue that mm. held everything he together. Was. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely was. He was um, he was um, by nature a, a very calm, kind person. Um, 
you know, he had his, his human being, so we, we had his moments like we all do, but he was very generous and open person. And I think all of the goons, Mike, Spike and Peter, loved him immeasurably. Yes. And, um, and he never sort of had any issues with any of them. So he came, I think there was just so much love for him. And um, I think it was hard, it must, must have been hard for dad to be the glue because it can be hard to be the glue, you know, because you have to keep everybody happy or feel like you have to keep everybody happy. Um, but he was he was very good at that because he was, he was really was full of joy, dad. You know, he was a massively positive person always looking forward in life he said don't look back look forward um and when he left when he when he he passed away you know we really missed that in the family I think we were so spoiled because we had somebody who has such a positive life force all the time um and when that goes it's really hard you have to kind of really remind yourself that that um everything's not as bad as it seems so he, he had a great um kind energy about him Good evening. They've given me the honour this year of introducing the Royal Variety Show. Not because I'm the oldest performer, just because I carry the most weight. <laughs> this was brought home to me on the day of the show as I walked in the stage door. All the fans started screaming. One young teenager turned to her mate and said, Oh, look, Elsie, it's the four Beatles trying to sneak in under one coat. <laughs> that was the Beatles music you heard just now. And though they were a big hit, they were as scared as the rest of us folks. One of them told me after the show that they hadn't been that scared since the day they came face to face with the barber. <laughs> But the Royal Variety Show is a big night for show business. It's a get-together of the cream of entertainers. And I was there too. Well, there's always a clot amongst the cream, isn't there? And yeah. it's it's very telling as well that he had the same... He was married to the same woman for his whole yeah. life. My lovely mum, Myra, yeah. 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 And they were they were together for, oh, goodness me, I don't know, 50-odd years, I think. Yeah. Um, and they were a great team because they used to laugh together all the time. You know, so mm. there was a lot of laughter in the house. And I know that sounds a bit cliche, but they did. They laughed. They, he found her hilarious. And she, you know, put up with all his jokes, you know. Didn't he, when he first met her on the first date, mm. didn't he pretend to be Canadian or something? He did. He apparently said, can I have this dance? Or oh, whatever. That's a terrible <laughs> Canadian accent. Um, and um, she said, oh, no, I don't like him. No, no, no. I'm going to go home now. Because mum... Mum, being all four foot ten of her, um, worked in a dress shop or had worked in a dress shop. And then she was uh, a head engineer, I think, in a munitions factory during the war. Um, She was always very well put together. And she was with her friend, Vera Chard. And they went to this dance on the Mumbles Pier. And mum said, well, I liked the boys from the RAF. That was her thing. And this, this spectacled, spotty, young lad I think even his glasses were fixed together with a bit of tape came up to her and said can I have this dance you know and and she was like no I'm going home and Vera said come on give the boy a chance he's just been demobbed you know dad in his demob suit which probably didn't fit very well (laughs) um and um and so she did and um they they made a date to meet a week later and mum said she couldn't remember what he looked like and it, it didn't start off very well but it, it ended, well, it went on very well for a long time. Absolutely. <laughs> successful. What was, that, yeah. what was the name of her friend? Did you say Vera Chard? Vera Chard, I think it was. Jeez, I think it was Vera Chard. That is the 
that is the name of one of the girls that Blue Bottle would have set his cap at in the Goon oh, Show. Oh, definitely. Very charming. Definitely. It's, it's probably all in the mix somewhere. <laughs> um, and you've got, so yeah, I mean, you've got, well, I say you've got, you, you, you've got David and Andy. David and yes. Andy. And, and yes. sadly, your sister Jennifer died a few years back. back. Yes, she did. Yeah, in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. But there were four of you. And, yes. Well, he was working a lot, though, wasn't he? He was always working, I guess. So he'd be away a lot. He was always working. Um, he, well, at the beginning of the career, especially with the goons, I think he must have been working constantly because I I always got, they, they recorded them on a Sunday, didn't they? So yeah. um, we lived in Sheen for years and years and years until um, I was about 16. But they, mum and dad moved there in like, early 50s when dad sort of hit the big time and dad was working seven days a week I honestly don't know how they did it how my mum did it I think my mum had help I think her parents my grandparents came and I think there's always people in the house to bring up everybody you know because there was so much going on um and dad kept working even when when David and I were growing up dad's career changed and morphed um and he then found highway so it was you know he he began a different strand of his career mm. but he was always working mm. um so yeah and it's hard you know I'm 55 a, you know a, a, a jobbing actress I do very well but you know it, it, it's hard to keep a career going you know when you've got kids to bring up it's difficult so yeah I don't know how they did it really so did you attend the last goon show of all in 72 I don't, I might, I don't think I did. Um, I have vague, hazy memories of fantastic get-togethers on a Sunday where everybody would go into my parents' bar, you know, and sit and swap fantastic stories. And I'd sort of sit on the floor and sort of soak it all in, really. Um, I was going to ask you about that. Did you, certainly you will have met Spike. Yes, um, and probably Mike, but did you yes. meet Peter? Did Peter visit much? Or, I don't or know not? if I did. I know that he was, I, he couldn't make it to my sister's wedding. That was 1977. I mm. might well have met him, but I can't remember meeting him. I can remember meeting Spike and, and Mike. Yeah. What was, um, what was, what was she, what's your memories of Spike with your dad? Spike? Well, uh, again, hazy. I, I remember I got Bad Jelly the Witch. Um, oh, yeah. We went to, you know, like a book launch, I think, for that. And then I met him when he was much older um, and before Dad died, but he was a lot more frail. And um, he looked at me and my sister's sister and he went, oh, you look like Pre-Raphaelite paintings. Where we got that from? Because we certainly, well, my sister did, I certainly don't. Um, but, um, yeah, he was very, he could be very charming. And he would phone up a lot and talk to Dad and, and they would chat for hours. And this is usually on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday or something like that. So yeah. I've got memories of picking up the phone to him. Yeah. Mike, we had lovely lunches with Mike, Sunday lunches. And um, Mike helped me on my dissertation when I was at uni because I did my dissertation on the windmill. Oh, so, really? Oh, yeah, wow. which was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, and I looked into, you know, was it how Van Damme got away with, 
making well this is if, if it moves it's rude but you know we're recreating venus coming from the waves so how can it be rude you know and all that kind of double standard really um well, yeah, the, yeah the men yeah the men with the the magnified spectacles the yeah spectacles. and everything else that was going on yeah. you know well because obviously your dad performed there and and yeah. mike was part of sherwood and forest that's right and 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 peter of course got a job now i know spike auditioned and i think he went out onto the stage for his audition and his first words were something along the lines of i'm sorry i'm wearing clothes <laughs> something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't and he got shown the door <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant when you think about how long ago that was and then somebody saying that i mean <laughs> yeah incredible Oh, my um, dog, that very good. Yeah, he just snorted, yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned Bad Jelly, which was my yes. first introduction to Spike when I was yeah. when I was a kid, because it was huge. I, you may have detected from my accent that I was born in, um, uh, well, I was born in New Zealand, actually. Ah, okay. And it's huge. Um, Bad Jelly, the, the audio recording that Spike made of Bad Jelly and the Witch is um, really popular, and it always has been really it mm. used to be played on um the national radio station there was a kids uh sunday morning kids show really um, where they'd play things like captain beaky oh and, yeah oh i love captain beaky yeah I, and bad jelly it. yeah um but it's interesting because i think and i should know this but i've got it in my head did, was bad jelly did Spike write Bad Jelly with Jane in mind? Possibly? I think he did, yes. Um, and of course, She's I know quite that... little, because she'd lost her mum not long after that, before that, I think, or something After, like I think. I yeah. Think. Well, she was certainly right. ailing by that point, Paddy. Yeah. Um, but, of course, your dad um, wrote Katie and the... Or came up with the Katie Nurgler. and the Nurgler. Yes. Tell me about that. Oh, okay. Well, so we had a wonderful house in Mallorca. Um, which we sold now, um, but by the side of it, it was it was right on the sea, and it had on one side of the house there was a cove, a sort of very small little sort of rocky cove, and one night I couldn't sleep. I was I must have been about seven or something, and uh, I mean you know I'm an older parent, so they must have been exhausted, and I'm going I don't let's go to sleep. And so I said I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. So he made up the story on the spot about this sea monster called Fred, the Nurgler, who um, lives in the cove. And this little girl called Katie goes on holiday with her parents. It's very autobiographical. Um, and she makes friends with this sea monster. Um, but uh, Fred's secret is that he is an alien from outer space. And he was left on Earth millions of years ago. And because he was naughty. So in order to go back home, it's very similar to E.T., but well written well before E.T., may I just add. And yeah. um, he has to love somebody. Um, somebody has to tell him a story and he has to find true love or something. It was the sort of things he has to achieve. And he achieves all of that with with Katie. Um, and then he goes back to the spaceship, but she cries a tear, and then the tear becomes the Nurgler in spirit. It's a very beautiful story. Oh. And I'm actually looking at the illustration. I've got the illustration on the wall, um, which was done by a lovely uh, illustrator called Priscilla Lamont. Um, and she never met me, but she 
she had photographs of me and she's got me to a T. It's a fantastic, fantastic book now out of print. Very sad, um, but a wonderful story nonetheless and something I'm incredibly proud of. Absolutely. Yeah. You're immortalized mm. in, in, yeah. for the ages. Um, yeah. yeah. Surely your dad could have had a case. He could have um, ah, filed a yeah. He could have got well, in touch done, with Spielberg's but... people and said, come on, come on. He did go very similar to E.T., you know, but I don't think that was my, that wasn't how he rolled. But yeah, I mean, you know, it was very, very similar. Yeah. I was practicing yesterday and I split my trousers. So I thought, uh, <laughs> if it happened today, so I had all my trousers reinforced. But fortunately, it was a nice high stool and no bother. You didn't, uh, you didn't need a block and tackle that you no, were uh, talking about. Heavens, no, thank heavens, no. I have to get up in time. Can you give us a, uh, a sure stay at the old night yeah. battery? Yes, there we are, sir. I tried to do a little bit of research for these podcasts mm. and I was just earlier, I was, I was looking at some photographs and I saw a photograph of you. You must've been about, I don't know, 13, 14 at the investiture, your dad's oh. knighthood. With my lovely gray hat on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh Lord. Um, yes. Oh, that was a look. Uh, yes. I remember that very well. I remember going to the toilet in Buckingham Palace and being, Slightly horrified that it was a wooden toilet, the wooden seat. Oh, you didn't you didn't smoke weed like the Beatles did? At, in no, I didn't do no. that. No, no. But it was amazing. I mean, you know, you sat there in a, a, a military band, played songs from the shows. It was rather light. It was beautiful. It's not what you think it's going to be. It's quite lighthearted. Yeah. But the yeah. night before, Dad had, had worried because he'd split his pants when he was um, <laughs> rehearsing in the kitchen. I think mum was pretending to be the queen, God love her, and sort of stuffing <laughs> him with a wooden spoon. And then he knelt down and he'd ripped his pants. And he was like, oh, what am I going to do? And then we had to get dad's tailor, John Panifer, the wonderful John Panifer, uh, to come and reinforce the seat of his trousers. Honestly, it was hilarious. God. Yeah. Was that because that, that, ra- that was around the time of he went he went to the uh, Charles and Di's wedding as well? Yes, he did. Yeah, they both did. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll never forget waving them off. Because they had to go something like eight o'clock in the morning or something to be there, you know, at the Abbey, poor St. Paul's rather. Yeah. And um, yeah, they. my mother had, I remember my mother resplendent in purple. Um, yeah. And they. I think they bought them, uh, Charles and Diana, they bought them for their wedding gifts. I think they bought them two Walkmans. I think, oh, really? Rather, yes. Which I well, thought was wonderful. You think that you, oh, you might... Look back and think well, that's a weird thing, to, but but they were the height of fashion in eighteen. Absolutely, I mean, I thought that was very far-reaching of my parents, even then. And I know that she used to like listening to Duran Duran's Bandai Ballet, wandering around Balmoral. So I often, I, I think there was a picture of her once with a Walkman. I think I wonder if that was the one that Dad got. <laughs> Someone like I'm going to say Paul Weller. Mm. Came back from Japan in the early eighties with a Walkman, really early eighties. Mm. with a Walkman and all his group of friends and fellow musicians um, would take turns listening to tapes through, you know, because they, they weren't used to hearing music like that. They it weren't was, used to the clarity and the, just the sound of it. I, I never forget the first time I heard music in a Walkman and it was the most, it was like being in a film. All of a sudden you've got a soundtrack, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and it's the shock. It's literally the shock of the new, isn't it, I suppose? So, yeah, um, yeah I thought that was quite quite good of my mum. It was very, that. very, yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, of course, it was, again, around this time as well, and I don't want to go too, it's not dark, I suppose, but your dad no. was, your dad, 
was given the doctor basically said you know shape up in terms of yeah. your health and your fitness otherwise yeah. you're not going to be around much longer um, yes that he, was because he liked he liked to eat he liked to drink and he was know. a bon vivant that's yeah. you know he, he he liked life and um you know he'd got into he loved italy and, and he loved italian food and and i think he would have lived in italy but but Mallorca was closer and, and and that's where we ended up and we loved it there anyway but you know yeah we love to eat and drink we still do <laughs> in my family. Um, but yeah, I, I he'd got, he'd flown to us what dad would do. And I, I really admire him for this because dad would do these long concert tours of Australia and New Zealand. I'm sure you're aware of that. Yes. Um, and he would be away for quite a long time. And then he would fly back and meet us in Barbados. That's terribly glamorous, doesn't it? Um, so that we could have Christmas together. And this one Christmas, we would meet him at the airport and whatever. And this one Christmas, he really wasn't very well at all. And he sort of felt very ill on the plane. And I think a, a stewardess, he'd flown from somewhere like LA. I think he'd gone that way, so Barbados. And the, the, the air hostess had said, oh, you, you're not looking very well, sir. And he went, no, I just want to get home to get to Barbados to see my family of course got there and then was rushed to hospital and they the doctor said it was colic and um, it wasn't colic it was uh, a burst of uh, sort of it was colon I think something you know it was really bad it was yeah. it was very very touch and go and he was in hospital for a very long time um over there um saved by a wonderful surgeon and then came back and then that was when the weight came off and he started playing golf in earnest and and he stopped drinking um yeah. that was that yeah because the doctor said you can't drink anymore and it wasn't because he was an alcoholic or anything like that i think it was just that the lifestyle was yeah was too much i, I was at twin towns i've been working there for the week it's up near uh on the border you know. mm -hmm. and i had a bad stomach i wasn't quite sure what was what was wrong with me and i got the play to barbados because i was there doing that for christmas and all the family had gone so I thought, I, I wouldn't see the doctor in case there's something seriously wrong with me. I'll get a Barbados first. Right. <laughs> and then uh, be sick with all the family, you know. <laughs> we all sit around and watch it throb. So... <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out to be, I had uh, what they call uh, uh, diverticulitis, Welsh disease, you know. <laughs> what is Actually, that? Actually, the, the colon had punctured. It, and and uh, I nearly came to a full stop. <laughs> I was suffering from punctuation. A dangerous, dangerous thing. And you, you were operated on in, uh, in, in Barbados, Barbados yes. you? A second opinion from which doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Did you think it might affect the old vocal cords? Well, it was, yes. It was rather low down the scar, was it? Yeah. But everything's all right now. <laughs> well, the light entertainment. British British light entertainment, the establishment in the 70s, 60s and 70s, yeah. it was, it was cocktail parties and BBC parties and just parties yeah. in general where yeah. the wine flowed and the brandy and the yeah. everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Even in my, you know, living memories actor, it, you know, it was a lot more readily available than, than it is now. So it's a lifestyle thing. Yeah, definitely. Did you, just on that, you know, the, the, the cliches to say Tarby and Brucey and... Naughty mm. Corbett and people like that. Were they popping round to the house sometimes, those sort of people? Were you meeting yes. people like that? Yes. I mean, yeah. we'd always see them at 
uh, events. I, I wouldn't say, I mean, you know, mom and dad were, they were, I think dad, when he was, when he was off, you know, when he switched his off button, yeah, he liked to spend time with us and he liked to read and he liked to play golf and he, but he was a voracious reader. My father loved history, um, got me massively into history and, um, we both loved Roman history, lots and lots. And um, so he did have his sort of private moments where he would like to be just dad in the family. Um, but yeah, we, we Ronnie Corbett was a big friend, Tarby, you know, um, Jimmy was was always a very, very big friend of my family's. You know, every, Bruce Forsyth, we'd see it at, at gatherings and things like that. Mm. And he, we'd also have a, um, dad would have a, a golf classic at Effingham every year and lots of celebrities would come to that and then everybody would come back to ours or there was also the famous cricket match uh, across Cheam Road at uh, Sutton Cricket Ground where everybody came back to ours on a Sunday night um, and that was fun. Yeah. We had lots of interesting times there. Um, so yes, there were lots of people that were incredibly well known um, but but they were seen as sort of family and friends, you know. Yeah. And when... When your dad had to quit, you know, the booze and had to slim mm. down, did his nature change in any way? Did he change in any? No, I, I don't think it did at all. I think um, he had to slow. I mean, I don't think he worked as frenetically as he had before. And I think my brother David and I had the benefit of that because he was more accessible and available and around. Um, because obviously. You know, when you're doing, I mean, I do eight shows a week and I have a, you know, I have a son and it's hard, you know, when you've got a kid and you've got to do that much work all the time. Mm. Um, you only see them one day a week. And so when dad was doing things like Songs Praise Highway, he was around a lot more. He was around for holidays and birthdays. And so we got to see him a lot. Yes. And I think, you know, with a better lifestyle, um, and a slow down pace of life, we got the benefit of that. Not to say that my older brother and sister didn't have a wonderful time, so I think they, I'm sure they did. Um, but I think that that we had more of of dad as a as a, as a constant presence. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, not as much as the huge star that he'd been in the fifties and sixties, because um, they were. I think the goons were kind of like rock stars. They were so massively famous. Um, and then by the time that David and I were in our sort of early teens, Dad's career had, had changed. Yeah, he, but he was still, you know, he was still Mr. Light Entertainment, wasn't he? He was still um, he was the mainstay still of chat shows. prolific, yeah. yeah. And writing and doing yep. pieces for punch and writing novels and presenting and concert tours. I mean, he's still working extremely hard. Um, but I think we just saw more of Dad, Um you know, um, because a theatre life is is quite brutal, can be very difficult when you're always performing. Yeah. Um, you, you said about he said always look forward, don't look back. Mm. <clears throat> now, Peter Sellers, he was constantly looking back. Okay, he was very yeah. nostalgic towards the yeah. end of his life. It sort of ramped up as well, and mm. he and he would keep. He had recordings of. You know, audio recordings and video recordings, t mm. you know, city film recordings of so much of his earlier life, and that included, mm. you know, the goons. Um, Spike, 
you may have seen there was a documentary recently yes. about his That's archive right. and he kept yeah. recordings and so much stuff amazing mm. amassing huge amount of stuff from his mm. whole career i get the impression and you tell me i'm wrong here but that harry probably wouldn't have kept much in the way of an archive is that well you'd be wrong there oh right <laughs> okay so we have a quite a big sense of archive which we've gifted to the national library of wales of dad's scrapbooks which were kept by my grandmother who i sadly never met but they started in like 48 and they go all the way up to about 60 my brother's the expert on this not me but it goes up to about 64 oh okay right um so my brother being the sort of custodian of the archive he's digitalized it all yes um the original copies are in the university of the library of wales and and we have access to you know we we have access to it um so although dad uh, and, and also dad was a prolific photographer and um cameraman he liked taking mm-hmm. so we've got some amazing um films that we're getting digitalized we were in talks about doing a documentary because uh we were approached by a company to do a documentary but we haven't heard anything and it's a great shame because um we've got some fantastic things that i think should be shared really um yeah you know spike and 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 peter's work is obviously incredibly well known for good reason but you know dad was also you know a crucial part of the of the puzzle and he's i mean some of these things we found were hilarious i mean dad was you know, sponsored teas maids and, you know, all sorts <laughs> of pictures we've got. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. Dad was in a regular column um, in a comic called Film Fun. Yes, I know. Um, I've seen those. You know, yeah. and we've got mm. all those bits. And we've got some incredible finds. And we've got Dad's war diaries. We've got yeah. all sorts of things. But yet we haven't... Yeah, managed to do anything with it. Okay, well, the, I know Channel 5, I mean, there was a recent Sellers documentary. Channel 5 is yeah. doing wonderful things for, for for people like, the people that listen to this podcast. Channel 5 mm-hmm. caters for that audience very well because there's a lot okay. of, um, there's been a lot of sort of 90 minute long documentaries. There was a Peter Sellers one. There was one about one of my favourite sitcoms recently, Man About the House, for example. Oh, Man About Kenneth the House. Kenneth Connor, Dick Emery. Uh, you know, they, Channel yeah. 5 is doing some oh, kind of under-the-radar stuff and and uh, it would not surprise me. And, and a 90-minute documentary on, on your dad would be perfect for Saturday night on Channel 5. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be great because what we, we've been approached before by companies that want to do documentary on um, dad being on highway and the lighter entertainment side, which is absolutely fine and totally, obviously, viable. Yeah. But we also wanted to put in the the, the goon stuff, a lot of the goon stuff, because the, you know, I'm saying the dreaded journey word, but the journey that they were on together was extraordinary. <laughs> it was incredible. Not, you know, a very interesting, unique <laughs> experience. And we've got a lot of this information there. From dad's point of view so it would be nice Absolutely. to share it yeah did he, did he talk a lot you know when i'm talking in later years when you were in the 80s into the 90s did, yeah. did he talk a lot about the goons did he listen to goon shows did he, he talked he... a lot about the goon show 
um, we would listen to the Goon Show. I mean, I was brought up on it, obviously, but I mean, and and I'm ve- what I'm very fa- thankful for is that that I have access to Radio Four Extra, who you know has it on all the time. BBC Sounds, you know, it's. Um, but Dad would talk about the the Goon Show a lot. I mean, those they were his sort of formative years. You know, although he he would look forward, you know. I think that sort of friendship you can't really bottle. It's it's um it's very it it's what can I say about it? It's um it creates you as a person. It's it's that sort character of character forming. Character forming friendship, but so important that those four people got together, had that connection at that time that was so um, you know, that just after the war, and that they took the stuffiness just after the war and they broke through and they just provided the world with pure joy really which is what i think it is it's heaven escapism yeah i think that's what it is and i think he he was i think that's the time when dad as a performer was at his happiest definitely because yeah. and you can hear it on every recording i mean you know in in the, the man who won the war dad you know, is is genuinely laughing. <laughs> well, Salah's uh, always said it was his happiest time. Spike, Spike's a bit less, or Spike's a bit more ambivalent about it, but he well, had... Spike the... had a lot of pressure on his shoulders. I mean, you know, he was under enormous pressure. I mean, you know, having to write everything to order, you know, it's huge. Yeah. Um, but but the, the sense of play between them all is phenomenal. It's great. And he's always held up as being always up, never down. Mm. Always laughing, blowing raspberries, mm. that sort of thing, and I and I guess <clears throat> there's a couple of performances where he sort of gives gives the lie to that, and I'm thinking obviously Mr. Bumble, yes, um, but also um, have you seen the bed sitting room recently? I love the bed sitting room. <laughs> you remind me of my first wife. That's funny. You see, I never met her. You see, will you do for me what my first wife did? Doris tries, but she. She can't coordinate, you see. Will you do it for me? Well, so long as we get it over quickly before Daddy misses me. Now, 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 Mildred, now, now, now. See reason, Mildred. Mildred, you're worse than your mother. I, I didn't, Mildred, I haven't. She's a common guard, the secretary. She's, Mildred, please, I love you. Please, she'd be something to me at all. Mildred. Get out, you slut. Get out and leave me alone. That was my best dinner service. Um, the, I think Dad had, had the ability and he didn't roll with it. I wish he had to have played some really interesting characters. He, I think he was offered the fool in Lear. Oh, really? The I think so. I don't know whether that's an urban myth, but I think that's true. Um, and he said no. But oh. I think, you know, if you've got concert tours, you've got a family of four, you know, life passes you by, maybe your, your management isn't what it should be. You know, um, there are things that I think he could have done. And I think he would have liked to have done more interesting, stranger 
difficult characters because he definitely had the, the the propensity to do it. Um, so yeah, that would have I would have loved to have seen him do a, a, a Shakespearean clown of some sort. I think that would have been amazing. Yes, indeed. I mean, the the bed sitting room, the character he plays in that. Basically, he's killed his wife and his mother in law. I think. Yeah. Oh, and no. he's. <laughs> Okay, it's played for laughs. Because that's you know, it's 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 this sort of I don't know, it would have he would have been great. He would have been great in in something more edgy, Um, a bit darker, maybe. And of course, Andrew, your brother Andrew has been um keeping the sort of the 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 goon Harry Seacom alive in in the sense that he's played Harry's parts in recreations of not just the goon show, but also Hancock's half hour. Yes, that's right. Yes. Uh, And, and how exciting that they found this, this loss. Yeah. It's even more credible really. So that's, that's good news. Um, So yeah, I mean, the legacy goes on. (laughs) I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think, I think they should have Harry should have had a sitcom. You know, in the in, in late sixties into the seventies, he mm. should have had a sitcom built around him, I think. Yeah. I think there was um I think there was talk of um you remember National Lampoon, the yeah. Animal House sort of thing. Well, yeah, yeah. But National Lampoon before they did the Animal House, somebody there was a there was a television show or a television producer, somebody from the state who had an idea for dad and dad was was about to go and sort of possibly break America with this show and it didn't come off and it really upset dad and I think he would have loved to have done something like that but I think I think fortunately or unfortunately whatever way you look at it he did highway and songs of praise came along and then you know the personality yeah. of dad was was seen differently you've just reminded me there was there a either a pilot filmed or there was a pilot screened in america with harry like a i've got there's a photograph of harry dressed as a large blue rabbit well that's i've never I've, that's amazing i don't know but yeah i think possibly this was what we're talking about then that there was something and again mm. david's you know it was definitely it was definitely filmed in America um, or shot in America, whatever it was. Maybe he did a pilot then. Yeah, that's it, what I'm thinking. And it did. Yeah, it must have done a pilot, and it didn't take off, or the network didn't take it, or it all fell through. But I think he. I remember once Dad said to me, "Oh, not long before he died, I was the nearly man, and I often wonder whether oh. he felt he could have done more." And I sort of poo-pooed it at the time. I said, oh, Dad, look, you're really famous. I was, you know, 20-odd. But I now know how we, you know, there's missed chances along the way, even though you have a fantastic career. Maybe he thought he could have done something more. But he was blessed with um, a more balanced life. Um, and Absolutely. Yep. You know, he was successful in his personal life. So maybe, you know, we have to be thankful trade, for that. Trade one for the other, I think. Yes, know, rather, I think it is all about balance. Sellers had a very successful, well, yeah, very successful professional Incredibly career. Successful. But, but God, the, the personal life. <laughs> yeah, terrible, just awful, awful, you know, terrible. Um, I've cut this bit out, Katie, because I'm just going to try and send you a photo of Harry. And it wasn't Harry dressed as a blue rabbit but he's standing next to one um 
Oh my God, look at that. <laughs> I think that must have been it. That must have been it. It's, that's clearly something filmed in America. Yeah. You can just tell, can't you? Well, yeah, that's it. I'm going to send David that picture. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I think that must have been it. That must have been it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 sad because it was he was a polymath, really. He could do everything with his dad, you know. And so well, we haven't even mentioned the singing. Does he? Oh, did goodness, he sing around the house all the time? Was it annoying? Or <laughs> uh, he would only sing to warm up, um, which was ma, and that was it. If as long as he could hit a top C, he was fine. He was right. he was annoying like that because he never really had to warm up. He had a god given voice. Um, he would sing a lot and very loudly and often in your ear. And when you're 14, that's deeply embarrassing. But I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll forgive him for that. Um, but yeah, he was um, he was an amazing. I mean, his voice was absolutely astounding. So strong and clear. Even you know, all the way up to when he had his stroke, it was it just got better with age. It was incredible. Um, yeah, and. My aunt, back in the old country when I was a kid, she had loads of Harry Seacombe LPs. Yes. And she was very, and I think she had a bit of a soft spot for him, if you know what I mean. Now, now I know that I know that your mum and dad were very happily married. I'm not implying anything, but did <laughs> did did he did did he get a bit of female attention? Not, I didn't go. He didn't go seeking it. But did do you no. think that his voice his singing voice and just his general oh, character yes. you know was he oh for sure we had big... fans we had, we had one fan oh, god lover she was called daphne i think she named her children after us oh my god that was a bit weird um <laughs> yeah he had he had a lesion of, of, of female fans i think and probably male fans as well um <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i mean you know because his voice and his his personality and you know the, the package you know it's lovely so yes I think I think he did appeal to her <laughs> it's weird I'm his daughter I don't know but I but he did certainly have um very a few very you know full-on female fans yeah yeah okay it wasn't getting <laughs> knickers in the post or anything like that <laughs> no not like Tom Jones no <laughs> <laughs> okay Major. I have a brilliant plan. That sounds like a brilliant plan. <laughs> if it works, I shall accept the responsibility. If it fails, it was all his idea in the first place. <laughs> Aside, good. If it went wrong, I would be blamed. <laughs> and then I'd get my ticket. <laughs> Normal. <clears throat> Allowed. Uh, this is the idea. Build cardboard tanks, put them on Salisbury Plain, and the Germans will waste thousands of bombs on them. Grab me scalabus and thud me gringers. Do <laughs> oh, you? You must be mad. Yes, yes, that's it. I'm mad. You'll tell my CEO, won't you? I'm mad. I'm mad! Get out of here, you naughty doggy! Get out of here! Follow my secret heart till I find you. Hello, war office? Ah, yes. I've had a brilliant idea. Look, why don't we build cardboard tanks and just... So my plan was put into operation. Three weeks later, the air over Salisbury Plain was vibrant with the sound of German aircraft. 
What a sight it was. I saw it all on the newsreel. The silly Germans swallowed the bait and bombed the cardboard tanks. This is the BBC Home Service. Last night, fleets of German bombers dropped cardboard bombs on Salisbury Plain. I thought it would be a good idea if we talked about or listened to a show um, where I, the, the, the Goon Show episode that I think is a really strong seeking yeah. episode. Mm. Okay. And it's not one that gets talked about very much. No. It's, um, had you heard it before? Do you know what? I, I had, and it's one of my favourites, actually. And I, I thought it was much later. I didn't realise it was 1955. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because it was literally two days, broadcast two days before ITV was launched. Really? Good mm. God. Well, I just, I think the thing, it's it's incredibly well written. I think when Spike writes with Eric Sykes, the scripts are great. Yeah. Um, Dad said that the, Dad said that they were always good. Um, Larry Stephen ones were good as well. I and mean, obviously Spike as well, but the, the, they're, you know, they're, they're really sharp. The thing I love about this is it's kind of sort of autobiographical on, on Dad because Dad did, I think, go into the army when he was 16, saying he was 17. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, I, what I love is it's dad at his authentic best. You can really tell that he's enjoying, you know, taking the mickey out of the army and all this, <laughs> come on, chaps, you know, let's go to war, you know, patting people on the head and the shoulder and saying, oh, you know, off you go. I think because dad, um, when he was in the 8th Army, uh in north africa i think he met montgomery and he was standing right in front of montgomery yeah like spots all over his face and montgomery looked at him and went yes you know yes that's right dad didn't like authority he had a bit of a scathing you know take on authority especially that kind of authority and i love the way that it talks about you know it's very sort of timely because everybody was bringing out their war memoirs at the time weren't they so Yep. Um, or there were films or whatever. I, I didn't do it, you know, and it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then, the, the, you know, I love it. I love it. And, you know, the Operation Mincemeat type sort of thing about the cardboard tanks. And that's great. <laughs> well, that's, a, yeah. So we're talking about the man who won the war, which was also known as Seagoon MCC. And yeah. First episode of series six. But yeah. yeah, I mentioned two days later, two days after this was broadcast, ITV was launched. Well, at least I say ITV. I mean, I think it was Associated Rediffusion down in the, the London region. And your dad was there on the opening <laughs> opening night. Oh, no. Night. Was he? Bless him. Yes. There was a variety show at 8 p.m. called Channel 9. Not quite sure why. Um, and it had, it was a variety show. It had... Um, some people that no one remembers, uh, Shirley Abacar, um, Leslie Randall, Elizabeth Allen, um, and then your dad, Derek Roy, who Spike used to write for. He was yes. a, a sort of third-rate comedian. Billy Cotton. Oh. Um, Reg Dixon and others. And it was during this show that Harry was on that the first commercial break in Britain occurred oh my and what was that for was it something like sign light soap or something uh toothpaste um not sure which i can't remember what i didn't write down what the brand was toothpaste there was also an advert after that for drinking chocolate and then margarine 
A few days later, again, still on ITV, um, there was a short series began of the Harry Seacombe show. Never. Um, yeah, written by Eric Sykes. And the first episode or the first show of the Harry Seacombe show, I think it was on on the, the, Saturday, of that, the, the Saturday of that week. Okay. okay. Was it a one-off? No, I think it was one of three or something like that. Okay. But the first episode featured uh, guests, Norman Vaughan, oh. Johnny Vivian, who used to work on um, the show called Fred series with Spike oh, yeah. and Peter. And also Wilson, Keppel and Betty. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh Norman Vaughan, apparently he's credited on IMDb. So, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. But he's credited mm. as, as being a, called a character called Fred Nurk. <laughs> and Fred Nurk. And you said um, Fred Nurgler, didn't you, earlier? Yeah, Nurgler. Well, I mean, it's definitely from the back of my dad's mind somewhere, well, yeah. Fred Nurk was a... Semi, not even a regular character, was an occasional character in the Goon Show that your dad would play. Um, a Yorkshire voice. Oh put on a Yorkshire yes, voice. okay. Oh well, there you go. Yeah, well, that's where that's where it's obviously come from. That something, you know. I mean, we all, you know. My, my I mean, my my dog's Minnie Bannister. So there we. Oh really? <laughs> Brilliant. The one that's sort of snoring quite loudly. That's Minnie Bannister. She's fourteen. Um. Yes, I've got Minnie Bannister. Yeah. Yeah. So there, so and also with with every goon show, Spike would write uh, around this period. I should say, Spike would take the time and effort to actually write a little synopsis for the front of the script, and these were often these synopses were often printed in the Radio Times mm-hmm. to accompany the shows. But it says here, um, the man who won the war, Seagoon MCC. It says drafted into the armed forces at the outbreak of the last great war to end all wars. Young Nettie Seagoon, a civilian part-time dustman, see bear stains around my trouser tops, Bidley Bont's four shillings and sixpence, found himself unable to face the task of sharing a barrack room with other men. See, I was Fred Nurk's Batwoman, price 13 shillings and sixpence at all good chemists. His endeavours to secure his discharge on the grounds of insanity led to a series of fantastic inventions which drastically altered the course of the war. See, bagpipes over Alamein, Price seven shillings and sixpence at all good. <laughs> this is a war story to end all war stories. Price one shilling and sixpence, or sent post free in a plain wrapper from Night Soil Publications, London. Right. This is nineteen fifty-five. Yeah. This is what I mean. This is the genius of the Goon Show. What they were doing was uh, must have been like watching aliens come down to them. <laughs> Surely. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, no wonder they were such a breakthrough group of people because it must have been, it was literally the shock of the new, isn't it? Yes. It's absolutely, it's frenetic. It doesn't stop, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think what I love about The Goon Show, apart from the fact that my dad's in it, obviously, but is that that it actually, it tells a story. It, it tells a story in fits and starts, but it tells a story. And, you know, tells a story about the war, or you're going about, you know, the lurgy, or, you you know, there's 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 an adventure, will Ned Seagoon make, make it? You know what I mean? It's that sort of thing. And to me, um, I brought my son up on, um, well, he listens to the Goon Show, but I think he's sort of 
getting there with it. I think because it's on radio and it's hard to make pictures in your yeah, mind yeah. sometimes. But he loves the Mighty Boosh, which I think is very similar in the yeah. sense that they're going on a journey on an adventure. And I think it really is very it's very similar. And I think that's what what's so great about it is that yes, it bounces around all over the over the place, but it does have a narrative structure. It does have a central hero. <laughs> well, it's always yeah. Ned Ned is always the central character. Yeah, and um, and he's usually almost always cowardly, or he's on the make. He's he's never heroic. Let's put it that no, way. No, he's he's pompous and he's pompous posture gets pricked. You know, it's that sort of <laughs> yes. thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. So I think I I I love them. I think they're great stories, um, and I think perhaps. We live in a in an age where we have to be told what things are like and what you know. Maybe you have to kind of use your brain a bit more if you're thinking about the goons, because obviously the the soundscape it creates is much more diverse and difficult. And also, as the show went on, I mean, this is this is right smack bang, and then what we would call the golden period. Oh, it's the definitely show. golden. Yeah, it's a it's a real golden one. Yeah. yeah, but as as the show went on, there were more and more sort of surreal elements. Yeah, and, and there um, are yeah, and there are episodes where it just sort of stops. Well, this right, I was going to say yes, it's an Eric and Spike script, but I think this has got a lousy ending. Yes, I mean it's not perfect. I think a lot of it is possibly alcohol fueled. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> the brandy. Did he talk about going back to, back into the wings to drink brandy during Max and Ray's numbers? Yeah, I mean there was a lot of brandy drinking. And whiskey drinking going on you know um yeah i mean they were just having a lovely time i think it was their sunday night off you yes. know there are there are episodes where i think oh god really okay and even that you can tell the audience are a bit like is, is that the end you know yeah. and you can even hear dad going yes i'm going to finish it and that's it and you know um aha <laughs> But it was never your dad. It was always Spike. Spike was because Spike wrote these, you know, either with or without collaborators. Yes. So your dad, your your dad was always very rarely does do I listen to a goon show where your dad is not giving a hundred percent. There's the odd one maybe when he's maybe a bit under the weather or whatever. But this episode, I mean, it's interesting as well because you've got this cowardly soldier who's who's trying to buy his way out of the army. In fact, it's yeah. interesting about. Right at the beginning, he pretends that he's he's American, which is harked back to him pretending to be Canadian with your mum. Exactly. Well, that's why I'm saying it's so, you know, biographical because it's that. And then and I, there's that lovely bit where he goes into the, hello, buddy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then he pretends to be mad. Sigun, why are you hanging around? I'll tell you why. I took out a roll of pound notes and tossed the rubber band into his lap. Wait, this rubber band is empty. <laughs> Chapter 5, in which Seagoon tries to work his ticket. Yes, as I sat in my padded cell, chained to the wall in a double straitjacket, I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll act mad. <laughs> Sign here. <laughs> and then, of course, you've got the the great um, cardboard tanks, cardboard bombs, cardboard Great Britain. 
and then pull the plug out, which I think is genius, actually. That's absolutely that. That gets a well-deserved round of applause. My dad um, used to love the Goon Show, and that the towing, what was it, towing England out and then pulling the plug out. Yeah, he would often, and it surprises me that right because he would often quote that or or mention that as a great gag from the Goon Show. But this show was never released as an LP. Oh, it was never commercially available back in the day. Um, so my dad must have heard it upon original broadcast because it was never yeah. repeated either. Goodness me, um, that's but, good going if you remembered it. But yeah, but he would be in the 80s, in, in the 1980s, he would be, he'd be talking about that scene or that, that line, you know, mm. which it just shows the impact of this show. You know, when the, when the writing and the performances were so strong, it would stick in the mind, the gags, mm. you know. Yeah, it was timely as well because, of course, People had lived through the war, put up with, well, there's no street signs, there's no train signs, there's we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And it's basically taking the mick out of that, isn't it? Yes. You know? Yes, um, that's it. And it's also taking the mick out of barrage balloons as well. Um, you know, blowing sort of skins full of air and, you know. <laughs> but I'm also, the whole idea of cardboard tanks, that was used during the war, wasn't it? It was as decoys, weren't they? They were yeah. decoy... They, they did they didn't they do a mock-up of a village or something complete sort of to throw the center I and mean, they did all sorts of things yeah cardboard it's they, interesting. they made model villages uh, maybe that at the, at the time that this was written that wasn't public knowledge no um, maybe it not, must, no. mustn't have been because it's it's obviously included as a joke i mean the cardboard bombs <laughs> is brilliant it's but... brilliant where does it come from <laughs> it's fantastic you know i mean i don't know i I don't. I honestly know. Don't know how he came up with what, what he came up with. But um, yeah, it's a it's a great. I'd say it's a great all rounder goon show because you've got Ray Ellington. You've got you know you've got them working as a team. The music's great. Um, there is a cohesive story. Yes. Um, even though it gets a little bit lost at the end, um, it is funny. And it, it it goes somewhere, and I think it's and I think the performances are great as well. And you've got pretty much all the characters in as well, haven't you? You've got um, you've got Minnie, and you've got Henry, and you've got Eccles, you've got Bloodnot, you've got the the works. So you've got pretty much everybody in there. You've got um, Sellers had this thing where I don't know if you know this, but because <clears throat> often he and Spike would argue and fall out, and mm. you know. And often your dad would be the one, the mediator. He'd have to yeah. smooth things over. But if um, if Spike was in in Peter's eyes overacting or whatever, mm. and it didn't take much to wind up Peter <laughs> Peter Sellers, but he had a kind of a um, a code word that he would use to let Spike know that he was really old. well, because obviously you've got the character of Grip Pipe Thin, and then yeah. you've got Moriarty that Spike mm. plays, and. Grip pipe then, if Peter was annoyed with Spike, he would pronounce Moriarty as Moriarty. Yeah, oh, okay. And there's a number of occasions in the Goon Show where you hear him say Moriarty, right? Oh. <laughs> and I just wondered whether he had a similar one for um, on the very rare occasions when he was annoyed with your dad, because in this episode he refers to him at one point as C. June. <laughs> oh, well, then he must have been. I mean, you know... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, I, I yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I now want to listen to them all again to see what I can, what I can, you know. Obviously, your knowledge is 
far broader than mine. But um, yeah, <laughs> I just I just think it just it it sort of the episode puts them all at the height of their powers. I think, and I honestly thought it was it was later on in the in the canon that Boone shows. And, and talking about um, wartime comedy, mm. Dad's Army, right? Mm. What's the, you, you mentioned Dad's Army. What's the the line that everyone quotes from Dad's Army? If you think of Dad's Army, um, oh, the German officer. The Germans, absolutely, and they say your name will go on the list. What is it? And then don't tell them. Don't tell them, Pike. Right <laughs> now. I'm going to argue that that gag was first used in The Goon Show because there's a bit in this episode. Now, which one of you two is Mr. Crun? I'm Miss Bannister. Never mind who you are. <laughs> which one is Henry Crun? Don't tell him, Henry. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, it all goes in the same pot, I suppose. I suppose it yeah. does. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, Harry would always tend to just play... Neddy, um, as I said, yes. he played Fred Nurk sometimes. He'd, yes. he'd play the odd minor character. But yep. um, this show is the debut of um, an occasional character he played called Old Uncle Oscar. Oh, yeah. Who, who sort of, we, we believe, on and off, seems to live with Minnie and Henry sometimes. Um, and he was looking for his teeth in this episode. Oh, that's right. Have you seen my teeth, Henry? I had them first thing this morning and released all my pigeons. You shouldn't stop in there so long. I didn't know that was Dad. It's not weird. Have you seen my teeth, Henry? <laughs> that was your dad. It's me. I know, it's funny. I don't know why. I mean, I, don't, I, I think because dad and I, when I was growing up, we'd, we'd do this. He'd go, all right, Mrs. Ast- Mrs. Ardcastle. Aye, ah, Mr. Ardcastle. And we just used to talk <laughs> about. Um, and he did a very, because dad was a huge admirer. And I can't remember the name of the comedian, but he would terribly, he were eating all of them. He'd doing all of them, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think Dad's strength was the sort of, yeah, the kind of lead anti-hero slash I'm um, having to drive the story forward, which is why, you know, it, it, it worked because you've got the sort of lunacy of the other two and then Dad kind of going, OK, I've got to keep going with this energetic <laughs> performance. Because boy, oh boy, you can tell how much energy he's expending to keep it going. Even though he's loving it, he's having to drive the performance forward. Oh, yeah. And and, mm. and also his voice is so distinctive. Oh, God. The other yeah. two sellers, obviously, particularly, could change the voice. And, and yes. You, your dad could change his voice or do different voices, but you could always tell it was him. Yeah, he was. He always used to say, "I'm not very good at blending in with other people." I went, "Yeah, no, no kidding, Dad. Really? <laughs> yeah, if you've got quite a pingy voice, um, I have a similar problem uh, on stage. When your voice is quite pingy, it's quite loud. <laughs> so I think it's a family thing. Uh, must be a face structure thing or something. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess that that would that would make sense. Yeah, definitely. One of the yeah, I mean, one of the most joyful aspects of any goon show was when well 
your dad as Neddy is overacting when Neddy is overacting. Yeah, and, yeah. <clears throat> um, there's quite a bit of it in this in this show. Um, was he always, you know, was he always blowing <laughs> blowing raspberries around yes, the house? Yes, he was and... always blowing raspberries at home. Yeah, yeah, he was always doing that, and he always used to, you know, do silly things like we used to go, oh, whatever, Dad. You know, if 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 I was laughing as a child, you know, a teenager, I go, and you go, oh, it's a, you know, just he just it would be a constant stream of consciousness stuff, which is very difficult to explain. When um, we just got on with, you know, we interviewed Dick Emery's son a couple of months ago. Really nice guy, Nick Emery. Okay, yeah, and he was telling us we talking about everything and you know just going through talking about so much about british comedy of a certain yeah. of that period if you like and mm. um and he was talking about how much um gail morcom would be embarrassed bringing boyfriends home because her dad eric would just be insufferable in terms <laughs> of embarrassing her right <laughs> Did you, did you, did you? Yes, it was, uh, well, dad, dad wasn't very keen on any boyfriends. Dad was a bit of a Victorian father, didn't like that. Um, So he'd go, um, I'd always know that he didn't like a boy because he'd go, how do? Oh, really? Yeah, so you knew you were were in trouble. (laughs) Um, And then he he would say, oh, how's, well, smiling Fred, arsehole. You would often call people. So um <laughs> yes, I don't know if you can uh, record that, but yes, he was he was quite damning sometimes. Blimey. <laughs> and I think people were when I brought boys home, it was a bit like your dad's really famous, but there he would be watching the telly with a remote in his hand going, All right, <laughs> just doing oh. his thing, you know. So he was um he wasn't terrifying but i think if you didn't like your boyfriend i think i always used to know it yeah. right okay <laughs> oh blimey i didn't I, I would never have thought that that he'd be like that oh i think you know um he could he could have a he had a, a, a slight victorian side to him you yeah. know <laughs> okay. um but but not bad bad but just sort of like stern How did your did your girls Cause your anxieties over the years. Well, yes, I mean, the I, song I was true. Isn't yeah, it? I, I began to get a bit Victorian when they bring boys home. You know, yeah. think, what time do you call this? Half past eight. You know that sort of <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. But uh... <laughs> what was he like with religion? Was he was he religious? Was he was it just did he was it light sort of yeah, sprinkling well, my, of religion? Or yes, what? I, I think he was a religious person. I mean, you know, otherwise he wouldn't have done Highway or Songs of Praise. Yeah. yeah. Um, my uncle was a vicar. Of course, Fred. Uh, and, yeah. and he, yeah, Fred. And they'd, my dad had been in the church choir. Um, I sing in my church choir as well. Yeah. Um, when I when I'm not working eight shows a week. Um, so I think he was always around the church and felt comfortable with the church. I think, and but he, but he didn't go to church. He didn't go on a Sunday. But that might have been something to do with, you know, not wanting to be recognised with yeah. the church. I don't. I don't know. I never really sort of got to the bottom of it. But I think um, I remember when I was growing up, I didn't want to be confirmed because I said, well, I don't know whether I believe in God or not. And my mother was like outraged. And my dad said, let her decide for herself. So I think he was, you know, quite he was quite sort of 
open and he, you know, he was spiritual probably rather than religious, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah. you never got the impression at all that he was. I mean, yes, you would often see him on Songs of Praise and all the rest of it, but you never mm. got the impression that he was. Uh, and, you know, and this is no inference on church church going people or anything, but you never got the feeling he was God fearing or anything like that, you know? No, I think I think he was basically a deeply, you know, for, so what can I say? He was deeply sort of Christian sense that he believed in the good of other people. Yeah. And um, in making the world a better place and being kind to other people, which is kind of basically a Christian ethic, I would say. True. Yes. Um, so, or your Muslim ethic, or any religion, any religion at its heart is, is being kind to other people and offering love and support to other people, and um, and not judging. So, I think that's probably what Dad was all about. Yes. Um, and he was, you know, he radiated good. But not in a saintly way. Just he was just. A really... He wasn't pious or anything like that. No, no, he definitely wasn't pious. No, no. not at all. No. Not at all. Um, I just think he was deeply interested in other people. He was deeply interested in other people's religious beliefs. Um, because I think Highway did all sorts of different religions as well. They yes, did. they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I think that's what he was interested in. He wasn't really interested in one particular religion. Okay. So I think that's where he came from. Um drifted away from this show <laughs> um and look i appreciate the time as well we'll have to start wrapping up if you don't mind yeah, um, of course. but um just a couple of quick things um yeah there's a there's a there's a couple of cracks about harry's weight in this episode yes. um what do they call him let me just find it um uh he's referred to as a fat bladder of lard by grip pipe thin at one point yeah did your dad i mean your dad just seemed to, to take it on the chin he didn't seem bothered you get the impression he didn't seem bothered by jokes about his weight. Was well, was he quite sensitive? Do you know? He was actually. I don't think he was. I think he'd been a. I think he'd sort of been quite fit and healthy when he was in the army. But yeah. Thin. You he know. was thin. Yeah, he was he slender. Was, he was thin as a rail. Yeah. Um, and I think then found a love of pasta. I think that's what did. <laughs> And milk stout as well. Yeah. Um, and 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 good living. And we're all all of us in the family are prone to to going that way. Um so I I I I don't know if it bothered him. I think it probably did on some level. Um, because some of the cracks are very harsh. Mm. Um, I certainly wouldn't like it. Um, I never asked him. Um I think when he got very heavy, he wasn't happy. Um, but that's, and I think he knew that he had to stop, you know, drinking and, and eating too much. And he was much happier when he'd lost the weight. Um, but I don't think he was obsessed with it. Um, because we're talking a different time as well. So it's difficult to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also men weren't as sort of judged as women are on it i think as a different thing possibly True. i don't know yeah. um or well, they might be now but you know in those days maybe it wasn't it, it, it was seen as a term of endearment rather than um a difficult term as it would be now i suppose um yeah i think if he took it badly he certainly didn't talk about it sure yeah yeah um, did you have a particular? You've got you've got a dog called Minnie Bannister, but do you have right. a particular goon show character that you 
like better than others? Um, I think I like Eccles really. Oh, yeah. Because um, he's sweet. Hello. <laughs> 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 and that's how we all say, hello. We all say that to each other. Ah, wonderful. wonderful. So that's nice. And that's sort of, that's, um, you know, that's sort of in my DNA, really, I think. Yeah. I'll say that to my son without even thinking, you know, because he's so guileless. So I, I do love Eccles, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I really, uh, if I get another dog, which I really hope I don't, so I've got three already, but if I do, um, which, you know, I would try and call him Eccles, but Eccles is quite a hard word to say when you're calling a dog across a field. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. What's the name of that? Do you remember that that video that went viral about 10 years ago of it? Middle class, very middle class man whose dog had run off. And, or, oh, and was, in Richmond Park. Was it Fenton or something? He was... Yeah, Fenton, Fenton, Fenton. <laughs> yeah, screaming across the wilds of Richmond Park. Yes. Fenton! Oh, Jesus Christ! Fenton! Yes, it is embarrassing. I've got Simon. That's bad enough. Um, oh, my sister had a dog yeah. called John. Oh, well, there you go. So Simon Simon was, a, was, was an adopted rescue. He's already called Simon. Um, oh. So, and oh, we've got Prince and we've got Minnie. So, yeah, I mean, Eccles, mate, why not? Why not? Great name. Um, just that. a couple of quick things, because yes. you know, for, for, for listeners who are interested in these sort of things about this particular show, um, uh, Sellers has slightly changed Henry Crun's voice. Um, from, from this episode onwards, Henry Crun's voice is slightly deeper, slightly deeper than yeah. it had been before. So Sellers had because slightly more high high pitched um, previously, so he's he's just dropped it an octave or whatever. I wonder that. why. Um, I, I think because to distinguish it a little bit from the likes of Blue Bottle and also mm. to a degree the William Mate character that he would do, who at that time also had quite a higher pitched voice that he right. Would, so it's a technical thing, isn't it? Rather than yeah, yeah. It was or just I think it was just it. just to, just to make it more distinguishable mm. um also um because <clears throat> a lot of people that listen to this this podcast are big fans of the music as well yeah and um uh, uh judge proctor joined the ray ellington quartet from this episode onwards he replaced don fraser as the guitarist in the ray ellington quartet um and um so it's a it's a show with quite a number of sort of if you like first, and I believe it's the first use of the phrase, and I didn't go and check, but I've I've been told, or from my reading, it's the first use of the phrase "needle nardle new" from this episode. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that might be wrong, but that's that's my understanding. Well, I wonder why it's not better known. It should be. I mean, the the one the, the usual catchphrase that people refer to with the goons is "ying tong in lai po." Yes, uh, but "needle nardle new" I suppose is the second one that. <laughs> People yeah. Would. Oh, Dad always used to say, used to use it all the time at yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. So we've barely talked about it, but it, yeah, I was I wanted to to kind of for us to listen to one show just to to ease us into talking about your dad in the mm. Goon show. Okay, but we've mm. not we've not gone into any detail. But is there anything about the show that jumped out at you? Any particular scene or line or? I think for me, the thing that that jumps out I'm, i've listened to it about three or four times this week mm. i think that i just as a performer can hear the connection between those three men 
that real love the the sort of they're really loving what they're doing and it's it's the it's the joy in their voices that's what i get that's the thing that that really comes across to yes. me and and the fact that they're because they they've been there they've been in the war they've done it it really speaks to them i think you can tell them you know they're all getting their own back <laughs> on all this i was you know monty's batman i was this, you know all that <laughs> They're just really, yeah, they're enjoying every second. There's little, there's little gags, throwaway gags almost that just fly by. And if you, you know, if you don't, if you're not sharp, you miss them. Curses, dear listeners, dear listeners, all my cunning skirt, urchin cut, high heel shoes had availed me not. Never mind, dear listeners. No army could hold a seagull for long. <laughs> I had ideas. After all, Money talks. I'm a tripney bit. Silence. <laughs> I'll put the coppers on you. It's very clever and worth a seventh or eighth listen, I think, before everything can. Yeah, because you miss the, you pick you pick it up on a, in a second or third or fourth listen. There's there's blood not refers to one of his one of his many war memoirs uh, entitled "A Blood Knock Never Surrenders" by Major Dennis Bloodnock, POW. <laughs> um, oh, and there's the bit where he offers Seagoon a small shot of schnapps, and Ned oh says, my. "I don't like small schnapp shots, sir." Oh. says, "Say that again. I daren't risk it." I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, it's great. It's great, and I and I like the. Well, I just like the the, the story of it. Really, the way that it has a narrative that's yes. very definite. So absolutely cracking episode, and um, as I say, it doesn't get talked about very much in Goon Show circles. Uh, unfairly, I think I don't quite know why, but anyway, um, if you haven't mm. heard it, listeners, please seek it out. It is it is available YouTube, uh, Spotify, probably BBC Sounds. I haven't checked. That, uh, I think it is. Yeah, it yeah. is on BBC Sounds. Yeah. Um, so listen, Katie, <laughs> we've been talking for so long. I, I'm so grateful for you know you taking it's my pleasure. It's I'm sure you're busy. You love talking about your dad. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah. And, Keeps and, him alive. And you know, is there a? I know, I know. It's fair to say, and you kind of alluded to it before that these days Sellers and Milligan are more remembered or talked about at least. Mm. But what would you you know if your dad? If you could sort of summarise what you would like your dad to be remembered as or for, you know, could can you sort of come up with a pithy sort of five or six word? Goodness me. Yeah. Um, somebody who had the bravery to step outside and do something different, um, but also remain loved. Yeah. I think I think he was he he was it was a real lovely mixture between quite edgy and quite lovable. Um, and he always had that sort of slight undercurrent of what's he going to do now <laughs> about him. Um, and I, I would like him to be more remembered for, I think my brother David, and I'm sure Andy would uh, to be remembered more for the stuff he did when he was younger. Yeah. And and his his real sharp comic wit, you know, he's more than just highway and songs of praise. He's more than just highway, Harry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I, let's hope that we can get some a documentary out about the archive sometime soon. Absolutely, I'm sure. Um, it, it, yes, indeed. And if if plans are not already afoot, they they should be, and hopefully they yeah. will they will be. So if anybody's listening that wants to help, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Innocent little fishes in the beautiful tea yeah. until he was seen by some men one day and they resolved to catch him without delay. Yes, then the water did descend on the men in the boats. It's gonna be a hard night Wait. tonight. <laughs>